Hey everybody, thanks for joining me today on the How Much Greater Podcast. This is Mark Scott. Today's episode will be a Mark's message, which will be a little bit longer. Before we jump into today's content, I want to remind you to follow us on Twitter at How Much Greater, or we are on Instagram at How Much Greater underscore 311. I also invite you to join our Facebook group, and of course, subscribe to this podcast on Podbean, or find us on iTunes by searching for How Much Greater with Mark Scott. And remember, that's Mark with us. All right, thank you for joining me today. We are on John chapter 6. We're continuing on with that. This is entitled, The Work of God Can't Be This, Can It? The Work of God Can't Be This, Can It? And before we jump into um, this episode and jumping into the content here, I want to say that I failed to mention uh, one of the previous episodes that I would refer you back to Mark's Minute 9, MM9, and MM10. MM9 is called Staying in the Boat. MM10 is called God Gets in the Boat. Um, those are from January 2018 in season one. Each one of those is less than five minutes, but it refers to this story of Peter walking on the water and just has a different take on it that I would refer you back to from some um, material that we discussed earlier in John. We're jumping in now and starting around verse 28, 29. And it gets really, really foundational, really, really critical in what we're dealing with at this point. So what happens is they ask Jesus, they ask him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? What must we do to do the works that God requires? It becomes really religious. That is a religious question. What are the expectations of our religion? What are the duties of our religion is what they're saying. How do we work our way toward God? In the Greek, it gives us this word task or job. What is our task? What is our job? How do we work our way toward God? And Jesus answers and he says this, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. To believe, that means to put faith in, to trust in the one he has sent. So, the religious question is answered with relationship answer yet again. Jesus is all about this mission of replacing religion with relationship. So the answer here is, here's how it works, is that we trust that Jesus is revealing that God has already worked his way toward us so we don't have to work our way toward him. Is, is this the reflection point for me? Is this the primary work that I'm occupying myself with? You know, because I think confusing the work that we're talking about here, the work of what it means to trust and follow God, Confusing that work may be the root cause of all of my issues in life. And I think this is probably true for many people. Any any of my issues that I have with anxiety, any of my issues that I have with identity, with value, with all of that. I've shared before that I am in counseling. And one of the things I was confronted with recently was the idea of whether or not I really do have as much joy as I think I do in my life. And... um, it was tough to kind of work through that piece. And I think it all tracks back to this. 
Um, I may be thinking and saying that I trust Jesus in a certain way, but really I'm all about, I got to do more, got to earn more to do something to prove my worth, to prove myself to God, to earn my way, work my way towards God. When the reality is the work of God is this, just to believe in the one in whom he has sent, in the one he has sent. So, what is on the to-do list for serving God? That's, that's the question that's being asked here. And, and the answer is to just, hey, whatever it is that you have on your list, throw the list away. And Jesus says, trust that I love you. Trust that I love you. You don't do anything to earn my love. You don't do anything to win my love. Man, it's just so hard. So hard for me to believe that, you know, too good to be true kind of thing. But that's definitely what it is. So we're going to keep going on here. Uh, in, In verse 30, so they ask, What miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? And, you know, at first I had a problem with this question, but it actually makes logical sense. I mean, they're, they're saying, so look, if our whole job is to trust you, Jesus, then how do we know you are worth trusting? Show us your power. Reveal that to us. And then there's this discussion, verse 31 through 33, about Moses and manna and bread to eat. At least that was a sign of a miracle that they could point to. They could say, hey, at least Moses did this. You know, God did this in, in that day, that time. Verse 35, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. If people come to Jesus, they will never hunger or thirst again, is the claim here. Verse 37, he says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Verse 38, Jesus reiterates that he is here to do God's will. And God's will, in verse 39, he makes clear, is to lose nobody. Verse 40, he says, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. This is the will of God. You know, we question it. We wonder all the time, what's the will of God? Jesus is emphatic. You have to wonder no more, doubt no more. The will of God is clear. Everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. So we move on a little bit. In verse 45, second part of that says, Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. This is what Jesus says, and we return then to this discussion of manna and bread that we found back in verses 31 through 33, and Jesus declares again, I am the bread of life. And it keeps going, verse 52, the Jews thought that Jesus was teaching cannibalism here because of his equation of bread and his flesh. Um, They kind of thought he had lost his mind. And instead of clarifying that, which I think would be the normal, reasonable thing to do in this moment, Jesus doubled down, doubles down on this analogy. And he says, people must eat his flesh and drink his blood. It's a little scary what he's teaching here. 
And so justifiably so in verse 60, his followers have real difficulty with this teaching. So do I. In verse 63, the second part of that, Jesus says this, The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. And I find it interesting in verse 66, the teaching was so hard to swallow, (laughs) pun fully intended there, for some disciples that they stopped following him at this point. Some disciples at this point just said, that's over my head, that's too crazy, that's too radical, I don't understand what you're saying, I can't do this. And Jesus asks a question about if they want to leave the disciples, if they want to leave him. And this chapter wraps up with Simon Peter answering Jesus and saying, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. And so as we wrap this up here, the main takeaway that I want you to see is that the work of God isn't really work like we think it is at all. Like many of us have been led to believe about what we have to do, all the religious rituals that we have to go through, all of the acts that we have to perform to earn the love of God. The real work that we have to do is to trust that what needs to be done has already been done by the only perfect one who can make it possible. And then to follow up with that is this takeaway that the will of God is for everyone who looks to Christ to be saved, to have that eternal life, that abundant life, and to lose no one along the way. I hope there's some encouragement in there for you today. I know it encouraged me, this John chapter 6. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.